This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, Emma Rebel is joining me this morning. She's Head of Public Affairs at the Institute of Economic Affairs. Good morning to you, Emma. Morning, Julia. Morning. Um, it's amazing, actually, how much uh, news is coming back to the domestic uh, agenda, not just uh, uh, COVID schools going back, the NHS, alpacas, uh, of course, who we will be talking about. But um, Afghanistan still dominating a lot of the front pages, particularly over this desperate need to get uh, people who are still in Afghanistan, either Brits, Americans, others uh, out of the, the country safely. Uh, and we've spoken to a number of them trying to get out. And there uh, the Afghan interpreters, politicians, uh, people working for charities, women's rights campaigners and the like, get them out safely as well. It's going to be the focus of lots of what's going on today, not just in Doha, uh, in the American media, of course, with what Joe Biden had to say last night. And Dominic Raab, the Foreign Secretary, he's uh, facing questions in um, an sort of extraordinary meeting of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. Parliament's not even back until next Monday, uh, but he's going to be facing questions from them. Um, how much pressure do you think is on, I suppose, both the UK and the US governments right now over the Afghanistan exit and, and all the things that did go wrong? And, and how much do you think, actually, in a few weeks' time, Everyone will lose interest and there'll be a few you know, sob stories and sad cases. But fundamentally, most people will be heaving a sigh of relief that we are no longer in Afghanistan. I think both of those things are true. I think there can be under an extraordinary amount of pressure now, especially with Joe Biden saying things like it was a great success, which it clearly was not. Um, and Dominic Raab, you know, he's going to have a very difficult time with the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, regardless of who was on it. But given that Tom Tugendhat is the chair, yeah. that's going to be an incredibly difficult questioning for, for Dominic Raab. And it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But I think the same is true as, as you know, the domestic news agenda will always move on. And I think that's the great tragedy of this because Afghanistan is not going to move on it's going to go backwards um, and I, I think we need to look very long term about these things it's not about you know have we stopped talking about it in a few weeks yeah. it's in 5 10 20 years from now do we look back and go that was a very big mistake yeah indeed and that that is the thing in terms of this being something that was Joe Biden orchestrated and we, we basically the West just the rest of the Western allies went along with it that was very much something that was for the domestic market he was elected on this ending the forever war and as he was talking about last night uh, not having a forever exit uh, I thought it was quite a good line but let's have a little listen uh, to a little bit of uh, that statement from Joe Biden uh, to the American people on the uh, exit from Afghanistan Last night in Kabul, 
the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history, with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. That number is more than double what most experts thought were possible. No nation, no nation has ever done anything like it in all of history. The only the United States had the capacity and the will and the ability to do it, and we did it today. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. Well, um, extraordinary success is, is quite some description of events there. It, I mean, there's no doubt at all praising those on the ground at the time, the, not just the diplomats, but also obviously the, the military and the extraordinary risk that they were taking uh, at uh, Kabul airport. Uh, that will go down very well, the American people. I mean, these people are heroes, as, as indeed uh, the British and, and other uh, countries' forces who, who did the, you know, the hard work on the ground. But there's no doubt at all that we are talking about some extraordinary failures, both in intelligence and in diplomacy uh, and in long-term strategic planning. Um, the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Robb, as you mentioned, he's going to be at the Foreign Affairs Select Committee. Crucially, Tom Tugendhat will be leading the question. He's already been a very big critic of the government, uh, made an extraordinary speech uh, in the House of Commons when it was uh, brought back for the uh, discussions about Afghanistan after it fell uh, to the Taliban. Um, he even got a round of applause, very unparliamentary behaviour. Um, and that's going to be talking about not just what happened in the final days, but also um, you know, what happened in the failure to prepare for the, you know, the months beforehand. From April, we knew that August 31st was a deadline. Um, other countries had got people out sooner. Um, and, and, and Dominic Robb is going to be very much facing a grilling, isn't he? Not just about paddleboarding in Crete. Yes, they're going to be looking, you know, at, at Dominic Robb's um, personal actions and whether it was the best time to go on holiday, um, which possibly it was not. Um, but but also, yeah, you know, whether or not Britain planned for this, you know, we can talk about whether America did. Um, and I feel I feel a little bit unfair riffing off Joe Biden saying it was a great success. He does mean just the logistics of getting 120,000 people off the ground um, in not very long, which, as you say, you know, is an achievement. But the fact that it was necessary, the fact that it was done in such a rush at the end, as the deadline approached, as Afghanistan fell completely you know uh, as as they were airlifting people out just the nation collapsed around them um that that's what's going to be remembered um not you know the, the one uh, logistical success of getting so many people yeah. out so quickly at yes. the end. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, there's you know, great, great success getting so many people out the last minute in absolutely chaotic, terrible and, you know, deadly yeah. circumstances. 170 people plus, bearing in mind, died uh, in, in, outside uh, the airport in that horrific ISIS-K terror attack. But the point is, did you have to be in that situation in the first place? Well done once there was a crisis, but why yeah. did you allow there to be a crisis in the first place? As I suppose the point. Um, well, we have found out last night that 10,000 Afghans uh, who will who come to this country will get the right to live in the UK permanently, uh, not just refugee status for you know safety for, for on a temporary basis, but those who actually helped us, worked as interpreters and others, uh, and uh, actually were crucial, instrumental in our, our British military's work in Afghanistan over those 20 years. They will get the right to remain permanently, and, and I think a lot of people will be welcoming that. Um, we've got these talks in Doha uh, to, today, yesterday, uh, the US also involved, uh, with the Taliban leaders who remain there to discuss 
discuss um, you know, getting safe passage for those uh, many uh, Brits and Afghans who remain. I, even uh, Joe Biden yesterday admitted that actually he said nine out of ten Americans who wanted to leave were able to leave. Well, one out of ten weren't. Now, he didn't make the point, actually, and I thought it was a very fair point. People had been told for months now, please get out of the country. I mean, get you know, leave the country, and lots of people hadn't. And again, a lot of these people will be dual nationals. There'll be people who've got very, very close family in Afghanistan who, who you know, thought they could stay with their families for longer. Um, but um, nevertheless, getting these people out safely, and of course, getting out, for instance, uh, the, the female MPs uh, in Afghanistan Parliament who will face certain execution. Uh, for, uh, you know, I think I think what the Taliban would have got, uppity women. Um, yeah. I think, imagine how they'd put it. We, we know the Taliban is going to door to door. We know people face execution for being seen as collaborators. Uh, and there are so many people we need to get out, people we've been dealing with on this programme ourselves. Um, and and the, the real issue is, is how we get those people out of Afghanistan to a border, get them processed and get them uh, to safety. But, you know, it, it's amazing that these conversations are only happening now. Yeah, it will be incredibly difficult because there are still, you know, uh, an unknown number, but hundreds, thousands of people who, um, you know, have Britain has said you have a right to come and live in Britain and, and we can't, all they're British nationals and, and, and they're not out yet and we don't know how to get them out. Um, but I think as well, there will be tens of thousands, millions of people in Afghanistan who will still be in danger yeah. because they're women, they're not MPs, but they're women or the LGBT community or political activists who have no link to Britain, no yeah. link to America, no no way to escape, who will still be in incredible danger because of the way that this exit has been bungled, I think. Yeah. Oh, and we're going to be leaving millions to this, this, this fate, but the point is mm. we have a higher moral duty to certain people who are at risk because of their work with us. I mean, uh, the reality is... You you know, we're not taking all 37 million out, are we? I mean, that's the reality. We're not taking all 18 million women out. We're not. We that, those are the you know, those are the facts. So, uh, we, unfortunately, you you do have to prioritise. Um, uh, let's also talk about uh, events coming uh, back home. Um, the uh, government has per confirmed they are going to push on with the plan for vaccine passports from the end of this month. That's for nightclubs. Initially, we were told then larger venues where large numbers of people are, 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 are meeting and not allowing the option of having a proof of a lateral flow test. I and mean, certainly, you know, for Wembley, for the Euros, uh, for any event, I went to, a, I took my daughter to a gig a couple of weeks ago, uh, for a lot of these festivals, you simply have to show uh, proof of a, of a test. I mean, I mean, the lateral flow tests are, are as the paper they're printed on, and the fact that you can actually get yourself a little note from the, the uh, NHS saying you've uh, got a negative uh, test without actually any point putting anything up your nose, you can just click negative and then... And then you've got negative test result. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're utterly meaningless. That said, you can also find yourself, uh, I know a number of people have done this, a uh, fake vaccine passport uh, document as well. Um, so, um, the, uh, the, but nevertheless, um, they are going to push ahead with this, despite crucially, not just criticism from some 40 Tory MPs, um, criticism widespread from the industry uh, that this, they think this is going to affect pubs and restaurants because we've seen vaccine passports in some American states, in France, in Italy, in Greece. Massive, massive demonstrations against them, by the way. But also, there is, even if there were a justification for vaccine passports, which I think there really isn't on, on, on liberal grounds, there certainly isn't on any medical grounds on the basis that we now know with the Delta variant, which is pretty much the only virus, COVID virus in this country at the moment, that, um, that actually being vaccinated doesn't stop you from passing on the disease anyway. In which case, why, why is it relevant whether someone else has got a vaccine or not? It doesn't protect you. 
Yeah, there are a lot of um, moral and practical hurdles to these things that governments seem to be determined not just to jump over, but just to plough through entirely. They're not going to address the hurdles, they're just going to shove them out of the way. Um, I think it was pretty interesting that Michael Gove seemed happy to go clubbing without any vaccine passport, surrounded by young people who may not have even had their second jab yet. I say, well, he was was more than happy to do it. And that's not me criticising, saying, well, you know, if he's happy to do that, why should it be needed from the end of the month? And as you say, having proof of double vaccination, which lots of people will have, they may or may not be willing to prove that to access, you know, pubs and things or football matches um but as you say it doesn't doesn't negate the risk so at this point removing the um the negative test element seems you know particularly counterproductive and stupid and that's something that labor have said that they're looking at and uh, may well uh, uh, make an issue that even looking at party conferences uh, coming uh, in the end of this month and early october labor conference have said very clearly you know you have to produce a a vaccine passport or uh, a lateral flow test so i'm able to go to that conference assuming i'm not still banned who knows um (laughs) long story if if you're not up to date it look it up um and uh, it was a joke uh and uh, (laughs) corbyn and his friends didn't have joke didn't understand jokes um but but the Tory conference they haven't announced yet and, and a number of Tory MPs and many activists have said well look if I have to show proof of my vaccine status to attend your conference I won't attend and, and I am very much uh, of that ilk as well I'm, I'm not even sure it's any I mean no it's not any worthwhile thing having the proof of the test either as I said because they're not worth the paper they're printed on anyway um but but crucially I mean for, for lots of venues the issue is you know you'd have to have staff on the door you can't have someone checking at the bar for goodness sake they're already in the venue um you've got to have extra staff on for a small venue you know they're saying oh it just be for bigger venues but the fact that this has been rolled out in so many other European nations one would expect that it, it, it will move on I don't know if you've seen the fantastic footage from Paris where you've got an entire boulevard of, of cafes and bars with virtually empty tables outside where of course even outside you're required to show vaccine passport and they're very strict on this in France it's a year in jail for the proprietor of a venue uh, which doesn't actually check them and that's for all you know the tiniest cafe uh, not just a, a big nightclub um, and uh, and what they've said people have just brought their own tables and chairs and food and drink and they've just sat up in the middle of the street and uh, just enjoying vaccine passport free meals um that is my kind of protest <laughs> uh yes probably a bit trickier in britain given the weather we're having and as you say we're heading into september i'm not sure i fancy uh, eating in the street once we get into november no. um but yeah you know people are particularly you know outraged by this and uh, you know it, it is a logistical burden on businesses it will you know you can dismiss it and say oh it's only one person on the door it, that you know it's that can be you know, for a small business that can be incredibly difficult yeah. well they're saying and, it won't be for small business but again I, I they've said a lot of but, things over the last 18 yes, months very few of them have turned out to be true yeah, these these things are not mandatory now, but there are many businesses who've said, oh, well, to you know, as an extra step to protect ourselves, we're mm. going to do it anyway, even if we're not compelled to do so. And you can see a situation where this is mandated yeah. for small businesses um, and uh, we, for well, large businesses. Sorry. Hold your line, everybody, is all I can say. We have to stand firm on this. We need to just, we just we have to boycott. I mean, it's going to do damage to the hospitality industry, but we have to send a very clear signal. Up with this, we will not put. This is, I mean, forget the practicalities, forget the cost. This is just such an illiberal, 
terrible, terrible, terrible thing for a democracy to do. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Macron, I have to say, um, I, I think it's just been an appalling French president, absolutely appalling. And uh, um, and, and I really, I really, really hope that he rules the day come the presidential elections next May. Uh, 6.48 is the time. Uh, we'll uh, uh, get a, a, an update on, on your, your friendly advertising uh, before we hear more from Emma Revel and look at the front pages as well. This is Talk The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.